the Bible Study Podcast, episode 112. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Luke with Luke 6, the Sermon on the Plain. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We continue on with Luke 6. We were in verse 36 last time, so we'll pick up with verse 37, judging others. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This seems to me to be a very common theme in Jesus' teaching. It's very consistent with the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And I think that this is, in many ways, the heart of the gospel. This is a description of who God intends Christians to be. Not judgmental, not condemning, forgiving and giving people. Really, to be people who are not centered on themselves, but who are centered on others, who are full of grace, as God has been graceful to us. And Jesus says that God will bless people like this. God will bless us when we give. We'll be given back to us a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God wants us to be generous people and wants to give back to us generously, because this lifestyle, I think, is a blessing to not be someone who is all caught up in judgmental and condemning and self-centered and ingrown, I think is a blessing in itself. But basically, with what measure you use, it will be measured to you. Look in the Bible for how many times Jesus talks about this. Let he who is without sin throw the first stone. He also taught them this parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now clearly at this point Jesus is using hyperbole. He's exaggerating for comic effect. If you really aren't laughing aloud, then you don't have a mental picture of someone trying to remove a speck from his brother's eye while this board is sticking out of his eye. And it's a very Abbott and Costello, Marx Brothers, Three Stooges kind of visual picture that he is painting here. He's going for something that is so ridiculous because he says that's the way we look to God. We look ridiculous when we are just always picking on the little things in our brothers and sisters, and we don't see that we ourselves can only stand by the grace of God. And he goes on, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things of the good stored up in his heart. The evil man brings evil things of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. A wonderful analogy here. This 
consistency, basically that the fruit that we bear, the actions that we do, the words that we speak, tell people who we really are deep down inside. And did you notice that parallelism? The good man does good things out of the good stored up in his heart. The evil man, evil things, evil stored up in his heart. Basically, what it's saying is we are consistent with the works that we do. We are consistent with the fruit that we bear. We are consistent with the words that we speak. So we can't claim to be a good person and speak evil words. We can't claim to be a good person and do bad things. What we do is what defines us. Now, we're not getting into justification by works here or whatever, but you are an apple tree if you bear apples. You can't say, well, I'm an apple tree, but today I feel like bearing pears, or prickly pears might be more analogous in this particular thing. When you pick an apple off a tree, it's an apple tree. When someone is a Christian, the fruit we expect is that gracious, forgiving, not condemning that we talked about earlier. And then continuing, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid a foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So this is a section about obedience. It's not a section about going to church. It's not a section about reading the Bible. It's a section about what do you do when you understand what it is that God wants you to do. It's not enough to hear what God wants, what Jesus is saying. We have to put them into practice. And like that man who built on rock, he didn't go to a place where there was rock standing there, visible. He had to dig down deep to find it. He had to work. So Jesus isn't saying that this is easy. He's saying it's necessary to last. It's necessary to build something that will last. And what we're building here is a life. So how do you build a life that can make it through the hard times? And then continuing on into Luke 7, we meet someone who has a faith that can survive the hard times. And strangely enough, it is not someone who is Jewish. It is a Roman. It is a centurion. When Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion servant whom his master highly valued was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and help his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, Don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. 
When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the man who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. A couple interesting things about this story. First of all, this is a very unusual Roman. He is someone who loves the people of Israel, the people of Judah. He's actually built them a synagogue out of his own funds, it would seem. He's a centurion in charge of a hundred soldiers. He's been sent to not the most prime posting in the empire. Many people hated to be posted to Palestine, hated to be posted to Judah, to Israel, because it was constantly in little rebellions and such. There were always problems here. There were certainly places where you could take it easy if you were posted there. This is not one of those places, but this is an unusual man. First of all, he has a servant who is sick, and he cares. This is someone who cares for somebody even though they are not in a position. They are not in authority or power. They're just a servant. But he is highly valued by his master, it says. And he's sick and about to die. And so he goes and asks the elders to go talk to Jesus. And we realize later on that the reason he does that is humility. It doesn't say that here, but the elders are glad to do it. They say he deserves you to do this, Jesus. Which is interesting because later on he says, I do not deserve to have you come to me. This is a humble man. He is a man who has some authority, but he is a man who is humble. Jesus in the last chapter was talking about doing what he tells us to do. And this is a man who understands that. He says, I have servants when I tell them to do this, they do it. So you don't have to come to me. I'm not worthy to have to come to me, but I know that you, Jesus, are someone with authority. If you say the word, it will happen. This is an unusual man. And that's what Jesus says. I haven't found such great faith in Israel. It's interesting, it never says that Jesus said the word, but clearly he did. And they send the men back, and they find the servant well. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send me an email at host at the Bible Study Podcast, or leave a comment at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take, or art to make, or perhaps businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. If you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, Search and follow the Messenger Movement podcast on your favorite podcast platform today or lifeaudio.com.